Hello and welcome to the Voice Extra podcast. I'm here with musician, writer and flautist. Chris Hill. Yeah, so how are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing all right then. How about you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, I mean, it's got colder, but the weather actually still looks nice. So. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of warm when you're in the sun, but I've kind of been working in the garden, trying to stay in the sun and try and keep, yeah. keep, keep warm in there and trying to work on my laptop. That's good. I've, I've pretty much been inside all day, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's not great. Firstly, I'm going to need you to explain to the people what a flautist is. Okay, so a flautist is a flute player. Basically, I play the flute. I don't know why we're not called flutists. And I think in Ireland and America, we are. It's just the English language being wonderful and weird. Oh, wait, is it just like... I Wait, it's just England where it's flautist? I I think so, yeah. Because, I mean, you did... I mean, the flute kind of has a long history in France. So I'd always assumed it had come from that. but apparently they call us flutists or something um so i'm pretty sure it's just english where we're where we're called this and as i say in ireland and america they just call us flutists like you would think so yeah i have no idea i think it's just like uk english being weird as it so often is and we love it for it yeah so chris you write on the site what sort of stuff do you write about so I've kind of got two focuses um, sometimes and quite frequently they combine because I can't help myself. So I'm, I'm first and foremost a musician, as you've probably figured out. I kind of, so I, I frequently kind of write about music, but I've also got a kind of passionate interest in gaming and specifically gaming music. So I kind of often kind of mm-hmm. talk about how music and, you know, game narratives interact with each other. And then sometimes, like more recently, I've been talking about gaming kind of more in general, often looking at kind of the story or the message and what it's trying to say. Okay, so if you weren't stuck at home, what would you be doing right now? I would be, I mean, I'd probably be writing essays because of the joys of a master's degree. But at the the minute, of course, I'm studying at the University of Birmingham at the minute. Um, I I was kind of um, getting towards the end of my second term there it's a one-year master's degree just kind of very suddenly we were all kind of advised to go home so we've all kind of gone home now and we're all trying to figure out how we're going to do our final exams and things it's an interesting challenge for people doing performance as a big part of their degree as about I think a third of our year are including myself because our final kind of project would have been a big kind of 45 minute solo recital uh with you know a live audience and you know piano accompaniment and all that kind of thing so trying to organize the logistics of how we're going to do that in the age of social distancing is going to be an interesting challenge yeah have they talked to you about it or are you just kind of like waiting for we're we've we've had a number of emails um many of them kind of reassuring us that they they know what we're doing but they're having to kind of still organize it which i guess it's it's a lot of admin from their end in terms of what we're doing specifically about that we don't know what we're doing yet we know that there could be a number of possibilities one of them is that we just defer the exams until autumn and basically just stay on an extra term which is obviously far from ideal from a logistics and kind of accommodation standpoint but is probably the way to get the best performance experience and like the most honest mm-hmm. kind of performance experience um another option is that we record it from home we still have the issue of how we're going to do a accompaniment of course and kind of uh, find pianists who are willing to play with us 
um, the accompanist that I tend to work with, um, a wonderful pianist named Amy Butler, but she lives in Yorkshire. We have to kind of travel to meet each other and rehearse and things. And, you know, obviously it's <laughs> as as much as I might think otherwise, I'm not sure the government would think that, you know, performing a concert is going to be essential travel. So uh, we still have... Uh, we still have that hurdle to get over. So it's still kind of very much work in progress at the minute. I guess that kind of reflects a broader uh, problem in terms of performing live music and art in general, right? Well, yeah, of, of course. And yeah. some of the the, the performing arts, um, as you might have been seeing all over the news and things, and the, the ISM, which is the um, Incorporated Society of Musicians, which is kind of the, it, it's the closest thing musicians probably have to a union, um, yeah. they've been um giving out kind of statements about the way it will impact musicians and let's make no mistake performing arts are going to be hugely hit by this and the performers themselves are going to be because i mean i'm a semi-professional performer now when i'm not uh, doing my studying and i mean i've i've lost hundreds of pounds worth of revenue on solo concerts that i was going i had roughly a concert a month planned for the yeah. next six months easily and beyond that and of course, all of them have been cancelled with and reorganising them even then is going to be an issue because some of these places, they some of the venues for these concerts, they organise a year or more in advance. So losing that slot means that you might not get a chance to perform there for another two years. So obviously, this is going to have a huge impact on kind of live musicians. Um, but of course, now we're kind of stuck at home and we're trying to figure out ways to kind of perform and to listen to music where I, I think people are going to be confronted with one or two realizations and that's going to be kind of whether whether live music really does kind of live up to the the hype that you know people like me um live performers would like to say that you know the live yeah. performance is a kind of special experience um or whether the kind of convenience and the comfort of listening to a recorded performance is actually preferable um and how that would work so i think this is going to be something of a litmus test for the music industry and for all the performing arts industries as to how how they stand up to scrutiny when compared to recorded versions of live yeah. performance i guess you got to think about and like really drill into what makes a live performance actually unique i guess yeah exactly um, and i think in a weird way a live performance um it, it has it has a profound impact on the kind of performer and the audience i think the performer's kind of the first person to be impacted because i i think a lot of musicians would kind of share be share this opinion that when you've got an audience in front of you you perform differently you're performing to somebody that you can see yeah. and kind of interact with in a space kind of live and you kind of mm -hmm. feed off of whatever you're getting from them in the performance um which you you can't really do when you're staring at a microphone um <laughs> you you can't really kind of get that audience interactivity and you know equally the audience will be experiencing the same thing in reverse um they'll be kind of feeding off you as a performer they get to I mean, especially when you're listening to a CD, say, you don't get any of the movement of the performer. You don't get to see any of the the, the kind of the, the physical expression that a performer does on stage. I mean, yeah. um, 
a friend of mine in Nottingham, who's of course recently become very famous, is um, Seiki Kenna Mason. And he is a very physical performer. You can see the expression on his face as he plays. And yeah. um, hearing him, of course, while is, is lovely, it's, it's not quite the same thing as watching him engage with the music. And I think that applies to a lot of musicians. I mean, Jess Gillum is very much the same. I mean, she practically dances with her saxophone and you just don't quite get that energy when you're just listening. When you experience seeing her live, you, you get an entirely different energy from the performance. I guess part of the way some people have tried to compensate for that, like I've seen some spoken word poets doing stuff, is over, say, like Zoom, um, where you can kind of, see i guess that is limited in terms of size but you can see both the performers and the performance performance and you can kind of still see each other and there's that some interaction even if it's like on a almost smaller scale oh yeah no definitely i think um people are finding ingenious ways to kind of kind of substitute that experience using kind of digital technologies i mean zoom has exploded since this whole thing has happened i'd never heard of the platform until this crisis hit but I mean, Zoom's been used for all sorts of things, as you say. There's the kind of performance side, and then there's the kind of rehearsals is an interesting thing. Because of course, meeting up to do rehearsals with an ensemble is obviously not feasible now. So it's interesting how people are kind of meeting up to collaborate and do music together. You can't pull a symphony orchestra together, but you can pull the individual members and then kind of each record their part or like talk over Zoom and then go away and play their parts and try and stitch it together. And I've seen a number of kind of very impressive kind of isolation performances from big ensembles who have all kind of recorded their individual parts and then kind of stuck it together in logic and final cut or whatever, and then present it as a video recorded performance. And I think that's definitely, I think we're definitely seeing a lot of very creative ways that people are reacting to this issue of not being able to meet up and not being able to have that live experience. So speaking of creating and reacting, what sort of stuff have you been watching or reading or playing or kind of consuming to get through this? I mean, at the minute, I mean, I've been doing a lot of writing because this situation kind of makes you think about what you're doing as an artist very differently and I mean equally kind of all the all the games and things I've been seeing I mean I recently wrote an article about Death Stranding a game that I was very reluctant to write anything about because I felt very kind of conflicted and uncertain about what I took from it but in the current climate it takes on an entirely new meaning and that applies to a lot of things as, as we say we've just discussed the way it applies to music um, so I'm finding a lot of material to write, and I think writing is one of the the key things kind of preventing me from going kind of mad in in kind of cabin fever at the minute. Um, but I'm still playing, of course. I'm still kind of trying to practice. Um, there are a number of projects that, especially for kind of friends from uni, have set up kind of independently. Our wind orchestra concert, for instance, was cancelled at uni that we'd been preparing for for a whole term. It was, and the I know the conductor and indeed everyone in the orchestra was kind of really disappointed that we put, kind of put all this work in and didn't get to kind of show it to people at the end. So um, what the conductor's done now and what we're all hoping to do is kind of um, very much as I was saying before, kind of recording our own individual parts and kind of stitching it together, and so that we still get that experience of performing as a wind orchestra and getting to kind of play with each other um without 
uh, without being able to meet up in person. And there's a lot of projects like that at the minute. So yes. Yeah, um... I, yeah. I can definitely feel that. I've kind of become a project person now. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm missing most about my uni accommodation is the corkboard I had, which which had all my kind oh, of yeah. rampant ideas kind of stuck to it's like that one meme with the guy in the corkboard with all the string kind of stitching <laughs> ideas together that was very much what my room looked like and i am kind of missing that and missing that corkboard full of all my kind of crazy ideas that i dreamt up at three in the morning uh, <laughs> uh but yes so certainly there's certainly a lot of projects going on and uh, very much like you i think I, i'm looking at projects that i hadn't thought about in a long time because i didn't have yeah a consistent set of time in which I wasn't doing anything else to look at. So in, in that respect, I am kind of enjoying the productivity. So what sort of like projects are these that you've been working on that you've been putting off? Um, so I had, um, I had a writing project that's kind of more academic, uh, which is kind of looking yeah. at a really old flute treatise kind of written in uh, the most flowery Victorian prose you can imagine. And um, but it's a it's a treatise on how to on on the flute and kind of how to play it and the, the different ways to play. Obviously, it's a very he's talking about a much older, very different mechanism of flute. So it's kind of almost oh, right, unrecognizable compared to what we play on today. But it's interesting to kind of look through it and see what has actually stayed the same since that time and kind of how that carries through. So I'm hoping to do a kind of critical edition of where you like it with kind of commentary on this has stayed the same or this has changed. And, you know, mechanically speaking, this is how this flute differentiates from the current one. So that's yeah. kind of one thing I'm doing. And then the rest are all kind of performance and composition things. I'm composing, which is a thing that I haven't done for a number of months now because mm-hmm. um, I've got the time to kind of sit down with kind of, all my instruments and kind of noodle which is the, very much the way I compose like I, I noodle for a bit and then I write down what I like and then work off that yeah. um so yeah that's that's a few a few of the things and also just reading which is I mean obviously having to do a lot of reading for uni but just in terms of kind of the fiction that I I've been wanting to kind of catch up on um I've, I've been kind of reading some books that I I haven't had a chance to look at in a while so that's something that i'm enjoying doing as well and i think when the weather gets nice i might even try and do some more photography which again something i've not really done seriously in years but i've, I've yeah. got my camera lying around and it's it's looking so nice at the minute that guess you might as well yeah it'd be interesting to see what kind of creative restrictions you have as a photographer of course being stuck in a very local area so yeah. I think I think we're going to be getting lots of photos of empty streets and people's gardens at the minute, and that's kind of mm-hmm. going to be people's uh, photo- photographic portfolios for a while. I guess it's a bit weird with if you're the sort of person who usually photographs like city spaces and stuff. Like I have a friend who does that sort of photography, mm. and he was basically like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm doing weird, different stuff now because obviously I can basically can't really go that far from where I am and stuff like that." Mm. I mean, like, again, and I think this is an interesting thing about this whole situation we find ourselves in, is I think a lot of us are going to be um, kind of pushed into um, moving outside our comfort zone artistically, no matter what kind of we're in. Because of the restrictions placed on us, we're going to be having to find kind of creative ways to get around it or, or kind of branch out into new areas. 
um, which you know has a, has a lot of potential um, creatively, even though it might feel a little frustrating at the time. I'm just looking forward to the fringe next year, which is going to be like a hundred different pieces of people talking about how they were all stuck inside and kind of sad. Yeah, no, I can I can very much see that happening. I think I think the the aftermath of this whole situation for the arts is going to be almost just as interesting as being stuck in the middle of it because yeah. kind of people will be kind of thrust back into a functioning world having been <laughs> stuck inside kind of having to work digitally and kind of be yeah. separated from each other um i think it'll be interesting to see how people um kind of on a, on a personal level how people react to being able to see their friends and family in person again, having been kind of forced to only be able to see them digitally um, after all this. I I wonder if there'll be a shift in the arts towards kind of uh, moving uh, about thinking about connection and kind of relationships again. I guess one of the things as well is that like, it could go in the direction of it takes a while for people to get used to like, normal connection again or people could just really push it and like go to the extreme all the time (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i think i mean um kind of watching the watching the news and watching kind of um some of the some of the different ways that people have been taking other things online i think the online dating video that i watched was fascinating because it is an utterly different experience to what you might expect traditional dating to be because yeah. uh, it's it's not like you can kind of I guess you could you could each cook your own meal and kind of <laughs> sit on the other end of a camera, although I imagine that would be a bit awkward. So it's interesting yeah. seeing people kind of adapt to it and and mm-hmm. kind of see what they're how they're going to respond to that. I guess one of the things is it does expose a lot of the ways in which certain things that we do aren't necessarily actually necessary. We just mm-hmm. kind of do it so that we have to. Because like, there's certain jobs where you could easily do them from home, but mm. because we're forced to go in, we have to go in. Yeah, I mean, as my, so my, my dad is um, um, an electrical engineer, and I think um, the way in which his company will work will change probably quite a lot in response to this. Um, because I think a lot of people have realised, huh, maybe I can do this job from home, or... Yeah. You know, maybe even the company realizes her. Huh, maybe you know it would be more efficient um, for this person to be working from home or this thing to be held. It's very much the issue of could this meeting have been put in an email, isn't it? Really, and <laughs> I, I guess it's just kind of an expanded version of that. Um, I mean, sometimes it's still could the Zoom call have been an email? Could the Zoom call have been an email? Yes, I guess it has just been shifted from one medium into another. Um, but yeah, it's. It's going to be interesting to see how, you know, the arts and businesses respond to, you know, how these kind of creative, well, you know, how these processes are done and how kind of working from home versus working in, you know, an office space or, you know, in a studio space, I guess, um, how it all, how it all kind of interacts. Have you kind of been making any work, whether it's like writing or musical ever, that's kind of responsive to this situation? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been wondering for a while what to do, kind of musically in response to this. Um, uh, it's 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 quite a weird thing to be confronted with 
as a say as a, as a composer you know kind of when it gets to christmas and easter time there's a lot of precedent for you know the kind of thing you can make um kind of to respond to those kind of season, seasonal events yep. for instance when you've got something like this which has so little precedent it's it's a very difficult thing to respond to artistically i think because whatever you're doing is very much kind of uncharted waters um mm-hmm. i think writing writing i think is the much easier area to kind of look into to respond to a situation like this because then you can kind of feed off um the kind of narrative that you're hearing all over the media and things but then apply it to a kind of artistic setting so Mm -hmm. you know and uh, i never expected to be you know talking about games in terms of you know an international pandemic but it's it's amazing how for instance the the meaning and the kind of message of certain games um changes um when something like this is affecting us all so profoundly yeah. and i think it's it's a times like this where people might want to turn to art to kind of think about meaning and the way that they see the world so it seems like an appropriate time to be looking over things and say th- thinking kind of does does this change the way that i think about this situation yeah, I guess also because we're not kind of necessarily being bombarded as much with moving on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, mm. there's a kind of, we kind of pause and analyse a bit more. Yeah, we've be, been kind of, uh, when I've been talking to people, I think the, the, the kind of prevailing idea is that the world has kind of been dunked in formaldehyde and we're all kind of stuck in suspended an- animation, which is frustrating, but it's also kind of prompting I think a very thoughtful attitude to the way we see a lot of things, be it art or kind of relationships or, yeah. or even business. Um, we, we've been, we've been forced to think about things in a somewhat meta way that I don't think in our daily kind of busy lives where we're kind of moving from one place physically, uh, as well as kind of in, in thought process from one place to another kind of really rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is making us all kind of take a, a much more introspective um kind of uh, worldview and thinking about kind of r- relationships between kind of the way we work the way we the the way we are entertained the way we uh, create entertainment and and how we're going to respond to being in an isolated situation one last thing chris okay so you've got the podium at the daily briefing you know the daily briefing every evening um, oh, right, the okay. eye, yeah, the eyes of the nation are on you. What would you want to say to them? Oh crikey, um, that is a very interesting question. I mean, I I could you know reel off the same kind of list of advices and things that you know ever, everyone would say about you know isolating and staying at home and keeping each other safe. But I think we've all heard that so much now that it's it's phrases like you know stay at home protect the nhs they've all kind of lost their meaning because they have been repeated so much it's very much the kind of it's very much the issue of the whole strong and stable thing isn't it where you kind of hear it so much that it it stops it starts losing all meaning or if you say a word enough times then it just stops sounding like a real word um but i think right now one of the things i i think 
weirdly to kind of go back to that article it's not even published yet but i keep going back to it because it's been something i've been thinking about it'll a lot. probably be published by the time this goes up it might know. actually be published by the time this goes up so um hey shameless plug go read my article uh, <laughs> but i i think um hideo kojima when he was looking at death stranding the game i was looking at and he was kind of very interested in kind of the connections and the way we are connected to each other and especially over kind of social media and things. I think Mm -hmm. now is a time more than ever to be kind of, to kind of reach out to people that we might not have spoken to in a while and just kind of get chatting to people, kind of form those connections that you might have lost. Because, I mean, it's the perfect opportunity to do it. And I think now more than ever we need those connections. We're not kind of getting the emotional support of seeing each other every day. And, you know, be, being able to actually have a chat to somebody, it's it's not, you know, you might have, you know, gone to the shops and met somebody that you know in your village or town or whatever and just struck up a conversation. But that's not a situation we're going to find ourselves in now. Yeah. So in terms of maintaining human connection, I think there's very much a risk at the minute. That I mean, all all the things like social distancing and things are very necessary from a kind of, medical perspective to keep us all physically healthy and prevent us from catching this horrible disease but i think there's very much a risk of kind of mental health taking a back seat at this kind of point in time because you know everyone's going to be so keen on kind of locking themselves away that it it would be very easy to become isolated socially as well as physically from each other and i think that's an important thing to try and avoid and uh, again this this could be an amazing opportunity to actually reforge connections that you might have lost be it kind of old school friends you haven't talked to in a while or um you know that 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 one one friend or musicians maybe that one friend you met on an orchestra call see what they're up to these days um just the opportunity to have those kind of connections i think is going to be more important now than it ever has been before okay and one last thing, where can people find you? Well, obviously online, but yeah, where can people find you online? Anything you want to plug? <laughs> anything like that? I mean, <laughs> well, I guess if you are hankering for something to watch in these kind of you know, unprecedented and <laughs> trying times, um, I, I, I guess um, my performances um, and, until this crisis has it kind of stuck are all on YouTube somewhere. Um, I hate listening to myself, but if you if you do want to... <laughs> have a listen to you say something of my concerts i think it's a i think it's a very common thing with musicians that we don't like listening to ourselves it's like hearing the sound of your own voice it's it's a very unnerving experience <laughs> um but um i have been told that they're all very good so if you, if you do want to listen to the performances i you can find me easily enough on youtube just by searching in chris hill flute um and of course my I article think at least one of them voice as well uh yes i think one of them is on on voice they're all on my uh, dad's youtube channel i think um (laughs) mostly because i think we set it up ages ago and we've not we've not kind of had the time to shift over to an official channel yet i'm sure it will happen eventually but all my articles are on voice um and as i say i kind of look at music and video games and often the kind of relationship between the two um and yeah i i mean i i'm not I'm not much of one for social media, but I do have a Facebook page. So if you if you do want to follow me on there, I'll often kind of share my kind of opinions on certain things and um, often kind of, you know, funding musical things I find online. So you can find 
us on Instagram at voice.extra and you can find us at voicemaguk on Instagram and Twitter and the website where you can find all these articles and more is voicemag.uk. So thank you for being here with me, Chris, and thank you for listening. Thank you very much. And thank you to Kevin McLeod for the track Shaving Mirror from Incombitech.com.